Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome in to another episode of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I've got with me Brendan Kuhn out in beautiful British Columbia, ready to talk about baseball and the lockout and the Blue Jays and the good vibes generally of wintertime. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm watching the uh, Canadian men's soccer team. They're winning 2-0, so uh, things are good. Hopefully, they remain good when the podcast comes out. Yeah, you better not jinx it. We don't want to be going along and find out that Canada's actually lost 5-2 to Honduras in the World Cup qualifying games. Yeah, that'd be miserable. So the first thing we're going to jump on, actually, I have to do an ad read. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at hosting these. Tyler's much better, but the reality is, is I'm steering the ship tonight. So we have... Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you, as always, by DoorDash. If you are a first-time user of DoorDash, then you can use promo code BJNPODBB, and you will get 25% off your first order. So go ahead and order yourself Wendy's, Taco Bell, uh, Arby's, that kind of thing, you know? Anyways, so jumping into it, yesterday we had, so yesterday this would be Wednesday, depending on what you're day you're listening to this on was the announcement of the 2022 um, Hall of Fame class in which there was only one player elected. It was David Ortiz. So how much time do we want to spend talking about this? Do you care at all? I'm the Hall of not Fame? a big Hall of Fame guy for as much as I like baseball. I don't care a ton. Um, and my frustration with voting is so high that it's better for me to just kind of ignore the whole process, let it play out and let everybody else get mad reasonably and try and avoid it all together. But uh, Barry Bonds should be a hall of famer. And that's basically the end of my opinions. Yeah. We're, we're in pretty much the same spot for anybody who doesn't pay attention to this at all. What happened was David Ortiz is the one guy that got into the hall of fame, 77.9% of the vote. And then there was four key players, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling and Sammy Sosa, who did not, reach the threshold and therefore will no longer be on the ballot. One player that I want to bring up, because uh, I am quite a big fan of his, is Tim Lincecum, who was on the ballot for the first time, only got like nine votes, 3% of the vote, and is off now. Nah. There, was a, there was a really good point made by, I think it was Grant Brisby of The Athletic. He said that players like Tim Lincecum perfectly highlight exactly the limitations of the Hall of Fame. So much of the Hall of Fame is based on longevity that we don't get to celebrate guys who were impossibly good or very unique for a short period of time. And one name that comes to mind for me that will resonate with all of us is someone like Jose Bautista. There's no prayer that he's going to get into the Hall of Fame, obviously. And that's that's it's kind of a shame that you can't even consider that happening, right? Yeah, it's a bummer when you look at guys' peaks and sometimes a sustained peak, right? Like three, five, six years where they are elite of the elite players in baseball. Um, but yeah, maybe they, they were, you know, late bloomers and they didn't break out like Bautista until a certain age or maybe they're Tim Linscombe, who's just a short skinny pitcher who, you know, whose body was only going to carry him so far. Um, but man, Linscombe's peak was awesome. Like he, so his second, second and third years in the big leagues, uh, he combined for like 15 war pitched like 550 innings. Like he was a monster. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, his career peaked at, in his third season, um, cause man, pitching beats the crap out of your body. And when you're a small guy and you're throwing that hard and doing all that herky jerky stuff, uh, yeah, you might have some longevity issues, but, uh, man, there's some fun players who just will never get consideration. 
um, because of the longevity thing. And again, it's one of the things that just makes me shrug and say, I just don't care that much about the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that you don't care that much about it, we should talk about the players who are going to be in the ne- mix next year. It's not a very strong first-year class. There's Carlos Beltran. There's K-Rod. Um, there's... Jacoby Ellsbury, um, Mike Napoli, Carlos Ruiz, Jason Wirth, R.A. Dickey, uh, Joaquin Benoit, Jason Grilly, some Blue Jays legends. <laughs> Are we going to see um, That's any tense. of these guys getting in? Or any you know, I, talking about? I can't say I've thought about it all that much, but there's a chance nobody gets in next year. I mean, the, the senior committee or whatever mm-hmm. that vote is that happens after the fact from guys who have been off the ballot. Maybe they elect uh, some guys, but uh, man, I mean, like Scott Rowland, mm-hmm. um, 63% of the vote this year. He's climbing. Uh, yeah, so, so he's got a chance. Um, and I think maybe just with all the steroid guys coming off the ballot, um, maybe Rowland gets more votes next time and, and maybe he gets elected in. But Carlos Beltran coming off the Houston Astros stuff isn't going to get in. Um, he probably would have otherwise. I think he's like he's, you know, statistically a deserving Hall of Famer. Um, but, uh, yeah, the trash can stuff, uh, and him being kind of considered the player ringleader of that is going to hurt him. Um, which I mean, reasonably. So if you're comparing it to the steroid guys, also not getting votes, right? Like uh, you're going to have, have voters who are going to view Beltran the same way they view bonds, the ones who mm-hmm. don't vote for him. So I don't think he's going to get enough votes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's not a, it's not a compelling, uh, vote that's going to happen next year. No, not at all. I mean, the one thing to the one thing to think about with the Astros guys is they do get there eventually down the road. And I mean, this is something we'll talk about for Carlos Correa, George Springer, Jose Altuve, tons of different guys is, you know, everyone's worked up about the steroids in the nineties. George, uh, George Springer, who famously was against the whole thing and actually yeah. slapped the hands of all of his teammates. George Springer, them, who, no, this is bad. This is bad. We shouldn't do this. So uh, yeah, no, George Springer. Um, uh, yeah, no, not, not part of the scheme at all. George Springer, who uh, also famously didn't have his best years in Houston. He had his uh, best time of his career when he won the World Series of the Blue Jays Absolutely. four years in a row in the early 2020s. That was sick. That's right. Uh, well, five, five of six. I mean, four in a row was a big deal. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, five of six. Um, yeah, a good, good run he had and, and very, very worthy of the Hall of Fame. We're predicting a dynasty here. Anyways, this has already been way too much Hall of Fame talk. There's really no need for this. Let's jump into the second segment, which is collective bargaining agreement and lockout talk brought to you by Twig and Berries. As always, use the promo code NATION15 and you can go and buy yourself a sweater, some socks. It's extremely cold out here in Toronto. I don't know if it's cold out in BC. It seems you guys have nicer winters, though you probably haven't seen the sun in eight weeks but we'll, we'll take some nice socks just not as they don't need to be as thick yeah you need you know toque socks scarves all the all the sort that kind of thing get you through the rest of winter we have like two more awful months left and then we're golden with baseball around the corner perhaps not necessarily because the players association and the owners are still at odds they haven't come to a collective bargaining agreement and it's looking more and more like spring training which is supposed to start in little over a month is going to be pushed back what are your thoughts on the negotiations? What's been happening this past week for those who are not paying attention? Well, I, like pitchers and catchers, I think we're like two weeks away from yep. them supposed to arrive. So we're, man, we're like really close to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's too much angst amongst players for being to spring training on time. Spring training is already super long and it really only serves to, I don't know, let pitchers slowly get stretched out. Um, but all these guys are working at their, you know, their local labs and, and getting their pitching in and all that stuff anyway. So I don't think there's too much stress about that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a bummer that we're not talking about the fun baseball stuff in anticipation of a fixed date of, you know, players arriving and, and getting those, you know, beat writers getting their stories out and it was pumping the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Best shape of their lives. And uh, yeah, just pumping out all those stories. It's uh, yeah, it, it's sad. And, and part of that is the whole free agency element of it where like, I don't know, I, there's a lot of players I haven't even thought about very, all that much in the last, you know, two months now. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a bummer because the baseball offseason is fun. Transactions are fun. And just this dead period of not of knowing nothing's going to happen is, is, yeah, just kind of blah. Tell me about it. It's, a, it's not. An, it, it, there's, there's one group of people that I think gets kind of overlooked during this whole thing is uh, those who produce content for a living. And it is, not, yeah. it is not smooth sailing out there for us right now. We haven't had anything to talk about in like two months. 
Well, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot, there's lots of websites that we, we care a lot about in baseball, including, <laughs> including uh, Blue Jays Nation, right? And you want content, you want good, exciting content to be putting out there or angry content. But like yes. now it's just that uh, it's, there's, there is very rarely anything new happening on the fun side of baseball. Um, and yeah, that's a bummer for the people who really care, right? Like there's really casual baseball fans who only care during the season and that's fine. And those fans are important. But the really hyper-engaged, baseball-obsessed fans who love the offseason, uh, raising my hand on that, um, yeah, it's it's a bummer. I, I will say the one upside is eventually when this thing ends, that first week to 10 days is going to be chaos. And it's, it's going to be, be so fun, right? There's going to be trades. Like, there's going to be a lot of trades in, like, a span of 10 days. And there's going to be a lot of signings as people need to figure out where their family's going to live for the year and all that stuff, right? So... Um, I, I guess that's the silver lining is we're, we're going to have some fun when we get out of this, but right now, you know, negotiations are happening and there was a bit of progress. It seemed recently, which is good. Um, you and I are, you know, not super well equipped to talk about labor law and all this different stuff. <laughs> and the, the really like getting down into the depths of what's going on, but ultimately, yeah, like I, I would like to see the players get some wins, some quote unquote wins because they've been, Man, taken to the woodshed like three straight CBAs, yep. and now they're coming from a position where they lack leverage. Um, you know, teams are spending less on players now than they were like two, three years ago. Yankees last year had a payroll that was smaller than like an early two thousands payroll they had. Like, and, and you know, selfishly, cool, like <laughs> that's great. Yankees <laughs> don't spend, but everybody else, National League teams, spend what you should be spending in line with the revenue, like gigantic boost that revenues have taken over the last decade, two decades in baseball. Um, there's so much money in the sport and, uh, and yeah, it'd be nice to see the players get some wins. And, and the big focal point is young players getting paid and paid earlier in some capacity. And yeah, I'm rooting for that. But I, I think the, the big development we've seen is the players know they're not going to get some complete overhaul of the system. They're not going to get yeah. rid of six years service time, um, they're not going to, you know, destroy arbitration and have like, you know, first year guys who are having great years making five, six, seven million dollars, um, which to me always felt impossible. I don't know how they negotiate that because MLB is going to be like, well, no, we're negotiating from where we were last time and we'll incrementally move forward. And and it, as long as the union was going to propose, you know, a complete overhaul of everything, which is probably due, like it's probably uh, makes sense. But unfortunately, when it comes to these negotiations, it just wasn't going to happen. And uh, it seems like baseball has, or the, sorry, the players union has acknowledged that. So now they're kind of working within the framework the owners want to play in, but they're trying to get more money within that framework paid out to players. So um, yeah, hopefully those talks advance and, and hopefully you know, good things come from that. One of the more interesting things we've seen uh, thus far, the negotiations, I mean, there was, um, you know, the back and forth at the beginning made everything look super bleak and they met a couple times in two days and it was, ooh, this is exciting, like we're getting moving. And one of the things that came out of it that I thought was, it was interesting and it got a lot of people talking was using a wins above replacement formula for pre-arbitration bonuses. So this is kind of a caveat for, you know, they're, they, the, the owners obviously don't want to relinquish allowing players to become free agents after, you know, three, four years, whatever. But what they could potentially do is, you know, pay guys a little bit earlier with some kind of bonus pool. And that's what they're, they're talking about here is using a formula to dish out some cash to younger guys. Does, does this make any sense at all to you? Uh, I mean, I'm a proponent of war and I'm a, a believe, believer in, in uh, you know, Fangraphs war and baseball reference war. And there's plenty of people much smarter than me that have spent years, decades putting, you know, uh, formulas together to, uh, create this kind of come together stat of like, you know, that all encompassing stat. Right. So, um, yeah, like I, 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 I like the metric and I think it, it's a reasonable way to pay people. However, you're now putting the onus on how players get paid onto websites that probably aren't interested <laughs> in dictating how players get paid. Uh, there was probably a time a few years ago before, you know, these front offices were loaded with, you know, all their nerds and they had their, they, they all have their own internal war, right? Like this, you know, the publicly available stuff is good. It's great for us, uh -huh. but every team except the Rockies, I'm sure probably has their own <laughs> internal thing that is telling them how good players are and how to project them moving forward and all that stuff. So you know, I, I don't think these websites dictate pay like they made of maybe five, six, seven years ago. There might have been, you know, people in the front office look at fan graphs and really 
took what they read from there and got from there and maybe looked at a player differently more so than they do now. But yeah, I'm like, like, I don't know if there's a nation network war, like there, if there's N war, like, do you want to be responsible for, you know, how players are getting paid and the fact that the cutoff would be 30 players. So only 30 players would get X amount of bonus dollars. And your formula would have dictated that 31st player getting nothing. Right. Right. So you don't want to be responsible for that. No, you think you'd think the league would have to come up with its own thing, right? I mean, there's no yeah. way they could outsource this to fan graphs and put the stress on them. And it's like, all right, all you guys like, and then you know, there's one guy's going to, you know, be a, a non good war player, like an old school type player. And it's, you know, maybe he's a fan favorite that everybody likes and he lays down the bunts and plays well defensively and just doesn't show up in the war and he doesn't win, you know, any, any pre-arbitration prizes. <laughs> and he just, yeah. you know, goes online and goes fucking nuclear on fan crafts. And it's like a big, <laughs> it seems like there's so many potential problems here that major league yeah. baseball would have to absolutely come up with its own formula in which case if they're doing that the players association is not going to be thrilled they're like well you're going to game this so no one's yeah. getting paid or you know something x y and z the weird thing is both proposals now have talked about using these websites so it's a very real thing it's not like a focus on how do we internally develop this figure this out on our own um when the owners proposed this um, they said $10 million, right? So we're going to make a pool of $10 million. The top 30 players based on Fangraph's war will share that pool. I don't know if it was going to be skewed like, you know, first in war got a higher number. This is just for pre-arbitration players. I don't know how that for, that was going to be calculated. The union came back and said, we want $105 million to those 30 players, but we want it to be a dual calculation of F war plus B war. So both proposals are talking about using these websites. So that's where the negotiations are. And this is a very real possibility. And if they got pushback from, say, Fangraphs, if managing editor Fangraphs is going to go and say, hey, we don't want to be part of this. We don't want to bear this responsibility. I'd be very curious if they would even care because this is a publicly available metric, right? But I, I remember... And honestly, I don't remember which way this went, if this made Kevin Pillar look better or worse. But I remember Fangraphs a few years ago went back and did this like recalculation. They had yep. they had re, kind of reconfigured their formula, and um, I just remember Kevin Pillar having some sort of big change in his war over. He dropped a bunch, if I remember yeah, correctly. Anyway. They changed the, the <laughs> deservedly so. Yes, yeah, probably the, deservedly. The, so. the significant change <laughs> was something like um striking out a bunch made you uh significantly worse offensively i think that's what it was so yeah and then, then you think like okay well the, again the 31st player who doesn't get any money two years later fangrass goes changes their formula again <laughs> they update it now that guy would have been 20th his arms blown out his career's over he never got to make any of the good money in baseball and there he lost out on you know a million two million dollars something like that because the formula wasn't to where it was two years later. Right. So it's just messy. I don't know. It, it just becomes like a, um, a moral responsibility all of a sudden a moral burden that is put on these websites that they don't want. So, it, I mean, it seems like it's going to happen in some capacity. I'm sure they're going to meet somewhere in the middle 10 million from the owners, 105 from the players, somewhere in the middle, that's going to be met. Um, and that's going to be a big step forward to this being approved, by the way, the lockout ending is them agreeing on what this looks like. Um, but one thing we know, like with almost certainty now is that service time is going to remain at six years. So Vladdy and Bo locked in for four more years. Um, it was interesting when the early proposals were like, you know, players turn 30 and they're free agents. It's like, okay, well that changes things for a lot of teams really quickly. Right. <laughs> and, and in some ways there's merit to age-based free agency as well, just cause you know, there's some old players who don't make the major leagues until they're 28, 29 years old. Yep. Sucks that they could end up being really good. And they're not afraid until 35 when nobody wants them anymore anyways. Right. So there was merit to that. But again, that would have been a massive structural change that I think the union knew they weren't going to get much movement on. Um, so here we are, we're looking at, you know, the six year framework that we're familiar with. And it's just about finding a way to redistribute some of the money that's out there to those zero to three guys who are performing at a really high level. Um, as well as the minimum salary, there's negotiations going on over, you know, just minimum league minimum salary and what that number should be. So to finish off the CBA segment, uh, there's a question I was going to save for the end because it's from our little mailbag thing, but it makes sense now. So we'll just get it over with here is how optimistic are you that baseball, uh, the 2022 season is going to start on the scheduled date? Do you think everything's going to go as planned or do you think this thing's going to get pushed back? 
I am and super optimistic that there won't be more than two weeks missed of the season. I think the, I don't know if ego is the right word, but, but like the, both sides want to win this so bad. And again, rightfully so that the give in isn't, I don't think is going to happen until they're past the point of the season can be saved to start on time. So I think at that point they get in the boardroom, realize, okay, we've both been willing to take this into a territory where we're now going to start the season a little bit late, but now we need to come to something. So um, I think by April 15th, we're, we're seeing major league baseball. I'm just, uh, and I still think opening day, you know, is a real possibility. Um, but I'm just not confident in it, but I am confident that we see baseball pretty early in the season. And you have to hope that's the case because we don't want the Jays losing their early season games because they have a pretty soft schedule early on. You were mentioning this to me today. Yeah, they, uh, as a team, they, they've got a brutal schedule just playing in the AL East, right? But their first, uh, three of their first five series are against the Orioles, uh, which is the you know opening week of baseball. The first series is against the Orioles. Then they play, I want to say the Rays, uh, which, yep, that, that game, those games can go away. Um, but then they play the Rangers. And obviously you want to play the Rangers, not a good team despite the money they've spent. Um, and then the Oakland A's as well. So three of the first five series, despite the overall schedule being very difficult, three of the first five are against, um, you know, pretty mediocre teams. Oakland is not going to be the same next year as they were in the past couple of years. Um, potentially they're a teardown type team. So they're going to trade a bunch of guys. With the Jays. Exactly. They're going to be one of those frantic, crazy amount of trades. Uh, yes. Blue Jays are going to take right. some of their good players. I'm thinking, I'm hoping I'm, That's what we're thinking. I'm we'll touch on that. We'll, yeah, touch we'll, on we'll, that. we'll get to that in a little bit we'll touch on uh, that. and the reasons for, and, and against it. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see the Blue Jays hitters open the season against the Baltimore pitchers. <laughs> yeah, That's very have, important to me. Very we, important to me. We have, we have a continuation of the game from September on, what was that, September 12th when they scored like 26 runs in eight innings or something. In like three, like no, no, it, it, was, it was like 26 runs in like 11 outs. It was like three and two thirds <laughs> of an inning. Just insane. So oh, yeah, uh, baseball, please. Like, yeah, I, Union, I want you to get everything you're asking for. Please don't rob me of a Baltimore series to open the season. Yeah, seriously. I'm losing my mind over here. I need some transactions. Need something to talk about. Need something to think about. Anyways, we are now going to move on to our final segment, which is brought to you by Sports Closet. Head over to the sportscloset.ca and buy yourself. The website right here has a Montreal Expos jersey. Uh, we learned um, last week that the Montreal Expos will not be coming back to life because MLB has vetoed the uh, the split city plan between Tampa and Montreal, which never made any sense. But you can still go ahead and buy yourself an Expos jersey from the sports closet. Head over there and buy yourself some merchandise and memorabilia. So now we're going to jump into uh, the segment that I have just called Random Jays Talk. And the first thing I wanted to bring up, it was on Reddit posted by user josh 89 was this lineup i haven't showed it to you i didn't send it to you in our uh, pre-talk notes because i wanted to just like read off these guys in the lineup from uh this 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 game in april of 2019 and it's Oof. absolutely insane how much the blue jays have turned things around such a short period of time so leading off is socrates brito and then we have teoscar hernandez justin smoke randall grichuk Rowdy Telez, Brandon Drury, Freddie Galvis, Richard Urania, and Luke Maley. That was like a week into the season in 2019. How did we yeah, watch they, any of that? Yeah, uh, that was just the like dreaming on the Vlad and Bo call-ups, <laughs> right? Um, not sure we were watching that. We were watching Buffalo Bison games on MILB TV. I have no memory of this series. They're playing Cleveland in early April. What? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> no it's the kind of thing you put on in the background. But, uh, man, things were things were dark, um, and they turned around quickly. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot of complete anti-teardown people, and the Chase didn't really do, like, a full-scale, long-term teardown. They turned this was around the only pretty quickly. Season. This was yeah, the this was this was from the start. They're punting this 2018. Even they entered that season with Donaldson still, and that was a team. If things broke right, could have been fringe wildcard contenders. Um, 2019, you knew that wasn't going to be the case. And when you have seasons like that, I I don't mind taking gambles on Socrates Bredo. I don't mind giving Teoscar Hernandez a bunch of plate of plate appearances. 
his breakout maybe doesn't happen if the Jays are good in 2018, 2019, right? Because yep. Teoscar then is they don't they're going to be patient with him, and uh, he might even be like a guy who ends up getting DFA because yep. there's you know they they need some win now players on the 40 man roster. So um, uh, you know just thinking back to that time, that's a bleak lineup. Uh, but that's where, that's where teams have an opportunity to stick with the tools up, tooled up guys, take a chance on a Derek Fisher, take a chance on a Socrates Brito and uh, maybe they work out and they probably don't, but those guys have become things in the past and become key parts of the next good team. Um, so yeah, essentially the worst part of watching lineups like 2019, is the Justin Smokes. He's a fine hitter, but like he's got no place at all on the next good team. At least you can dream on the tools of some of these guys um, while also completely ignoring the games because they're not worth watching. But uh, yeah. Well, that was a fun thing to bring up. I'm not really sure why I felt the need to do so, but I just saw it and I, I thought it was... Trent really Thornton was the pitcher Trent too, Thornton. right? He so the, yeah. He like never mind anyway. the lineup being a complete mess. Trent Thornton was the starting pitcher. And now you look at the Blue Jays top four and they've got the best top four in baseball. And that top four existed middle of last season. So from 2019, they're starting Trent Thornton, who probably was one of the better pitchers you felt about. He led the team in innings that year. Yeah. Like that Trent Thornton was the guy, you know, kind of. And, and now, you know, middle last year, you've got uh, Barrios, Robbie Ray, Alec Manoa, Hyunjin Ryu, um, yeah, I mean, just a, just a wild turnaround, both position players and uh, starting rotation. Just incredible. So this is a really good segue by you is our next topic. Speaking of pitching is that Kevin Gosman came on Twitter last week and said the Giants didn't offer him a contract. What's going on here? Does that remind you of anything of the 2016 offseason? Uh, Big Bad Shapiro walks yeah. into town and David Price doesn't get an offer. And that was just like, oh, man. I remember defending that so much. I'm like, okay, well, if the Blue Jays don't think David Price or they don't want to pay him more than like, let's say $140 million, why bother insulting somebody with a bad, like 50% below market value offer than just not offering one at all, which is the same thing here. The Giants, we've come to learn, are being much more frugal than I would have thought. And uh, Farhan, uh, they're, you know, Canadian GM, awesome guy, um, really good at what he does, uh, seems to have a knack at finding Socrates, Brito, and making them good. And the Giants put together a 107-win season last year with a bunch of random players. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, I thought they were going to spend huge this offseason. I thought they were going to be the like top spender in baseball. Um, so I had always assumed Gossman was just going back to the Giants and didn't really consider him as an option for the Blue Jays. Um, and come to find they didn't want to spend, you know, nine figures. They didn't want to put a hundred million dollar contract on anybody. It's kind of been reported out of the local beat writers from San Francisco. So I'm surprised at kind of what they've done. And they seem to think they can just piece together a team and put together a rotation again with the Alex Wood types and uh, Alex Cobb they brought in and just all these short-term deals guys they think they can get the most out of and go from there. Um, there's a time where I was a little bit worried about what that meant about Kevin Gossman. Like what, what do they see that worries them? But at the same time, the year before they gave him the qualifying offer when nobody thought that was going to happen. Right. Yep. Like Gossman was not, we, people weren't talking about him as even a consideration for the QO. And then the giants came and gave him 18 and a half million bucks. So they were the high team on him when it was a one year option. And then they completely backed off when he was going to go, you know, get his bag, get his long-term five-year deal. So kind of weird to see it from afar. Um, and obviously post sticky stuff, he, he had like a six week period where he was figuring out that splitter and trying to get right. And, uh, and things kind of came together towards the end of the year, which, which is encouraging. Like if it was just nothing but bad after the six, sticky stuff ban, then be a bit more concerning, but uh, yeah, he found a way to uh, eventually figure out his splitter without the substance and, and uh, turn it around somewhat. But uh, yeah, it was interesting dialogue. And it just, it brought me back to that off season with David Price and the, you know, fake anger over the Jays, not giving him an offer. You know what I thought you were going to bring up? I don't know why I thought this. I should have immediately thought David Price. Um, but I thought when you brought that up and you thought uh, low ball offer, I thought you were going to talk about when the Jays gave their pretend offer for you Darvish that year. 
That's what I thought. Uh, you were, that's what I thought you were bringing up for some reason. I don't know why, because it doesn't fit at all. But, anyways, so next thing we're going to talk about is something you want to talk about specifically. Uh, the Blue Jays in late game situations this year. Ben Nicholson Smith wrote a post in Sportsnet. Um, kind of outlining how the Blue Jays were very good in the first six innings of the game, and then they were very bad in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings of the game. Not just their their relief pitching. We all know the relief pitching late in games is terrible, but they also couldn't hit for some reason in late games. Do you think this is something that was very random? Do you think this is because of how they're constructed? How do you go about fixing this next season? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to sit on the fence of that. I do think some of it was random, um, just bad luck and, and randomness that happens in baseball. Um, but the very quick rundown of the numbers you just said, Blue Jays were the best team in baseball innings one through six offensively. They had the highest WRC plus in all of baseball innings one through six. They were 12th, so just slightly above average in innings seven plus, seven through extra innings. And there's some reasons you could look at that and say, okay, We can make some sense of that. One of them being the extreme right-handedness of the teams. There's a lot of elite relievers who are right-handed and create matchup problems for the team. Um, Velocity might be another part of that. Maybe the Jays weren't... uh, There's not great publicly available data on this. Um, But yeah, maybe the Jays just struggled with high velocity. We know some individual players like Kevin Biggio, his whole thing was he can't hit the fast fastball, the really Mm -hmm. fast fastball. Um, Marcus Semyon was actually one of the better hitters in baseball last year against 95 plus fastballs. Um, so losing him is, is maybe like, okay, does that make it worse? But I think it points to the team and Atkins has talked about it. The team could use a left-handed bat and a good one. And I don't say needs because look, we know the team is good enough offensively to be a good offensive team. Maybe not an elite offensive team. If you lose Semyon and, and you don't have, maybe some left-handed balance, or maybe you're going to struggle with some of these late game stuff, but the offense is fine. And I want to caution people to be like, Oh, the off season's a failure. If they don't get an impact left-handed bat, sometimes the market just doesn't develop for that type of bat. And Kyle Schwarber is a fit that I like, but he's an awkward roster fit because he's now taking a lot of DH at bats and that, you know, maybe cuts away from George Springer DH at bats. Or when you're putting him in left field, you now have a really poor defensive left fielder. Or if you're backing up Vladdy with him at first base, you have a poor defensive first baseman. So Schwarber would be a great bat to add, and I'd be all for it. But he's not a great roster fit. Freddie Freeman, not a great roster fit. Sure, like sign Freddie Freeman and just figure it out. But like, <laughs> there's, there's a reasonable thing to be said for how it complicates the Blue Jays and what they like to do yes. with playing their players every day, but just cycling through the DH position. Um, Jose Ramirez doesn't seem to be as available as I thought he was going into the off season. Yep. Um, and as other teams did too. So if he's not available, okay. Like diamondbacks haven't really been clear about where they stand with trading Cattell Marte. And if they're not trading him, then okay. Those are the two elite left-handed bats. So there just may not be a fit. So the, the blue Jays hole in their offensive roster may just be impact left-handed bats. Teams have holes. Teams don't have every single thing about the roster perfect and the circumstances may just not allow for the Jays to achieve what they would ideally want. They know it. They know what we're saying now, what we're talking about now, the blue Jays know, but it doesn't mean there's an answer that is perfect for what they're doing. Right. Is that because do they, do they know because they listen to us talk about it? Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah, we're, we're, we get quoted on the whiteboard in uh, Shapiro's office. Tomorrow morning, yeah. Shapiro and I can be listening to <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I'm, I'm sure they're wearing Twigginberries right now as well. They're, uh, they, yeah, they're all in on the BJN pod. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is a thing they've talked about. They're aware um, this is, this is a, a hole in the Blue Jays roster, and uh, maybe it doesn't get fixed this offseason. Um, they will be focused on it. It's funny, like Gabriel Moreno, top prospect, another right-handed bat. Alejandro Kirk, kind of another weird roster fit, but a good hitter and a right-handed bat. The, the team just has kind of happened to end up in a place where their very good hitters are right-handed. And I would rather have that than a balanced lineup that can't hit. So yeah. we're, cu- we're starting from a good place. And to get from good to elite, elite, elite just may not be all that achievable. The Blue Jays farm system isn't as deep as it was with high-end talent either. Like they're not as great a trade partner now that they've done the Brios trade 
and graduated some of these key guys who they're going to want to keep. Lourdes Gurriel isn't as great a trade trip anymore because obviously he's a corner outfielder, but he only has two years left of control. Um, yeah, they, they might just be a team that continues to be right-handed. It's funny going back to the Jose Edwin, Russell Martin, Tulo, Josh yep. Donaldson days. Somehow this team is just right-handed. Like the Blue Jays needed Ryan Goins in the lineup to be the left. Right, yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. Like, okay, do fans want Ryan Goins type in the lineup just yes. to say you have a lefty? Late right? 2017, Ryan Goins is driving <laughs> in everybody. It's perfect. August. August, he had his one his one good month where he Grand was slams. unbelievable. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I just don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I, I know they're looking. We, you know, we, it's obvious. But yeah, I'm not sure it's going to happen. I'd like to be proven wrong. I'd like Jose Ramirez to all of a sudden be available and we're surprised by it. But, uh, but yeah, as, as, as of now, they're, you know, a somewhat easy team to match up against. Just bring in your elite right-handed pitching and, and all of a sudden the Blue Jays are just an okay offensive team and not no longer, you know, top tier. All right. So speaking of trades, cause we're going to now move into our rapid fire questions period. I went on the Twitter account and asked if anybody had any questions and we got a lot of responses. People were very excited to ask you questions. The first one I want to ask comes from Tyler Sanders, not Tyler Uremchuk. Uh, Tyler Sanders asks, uh, Oakland A's trade proposal. What would you give up to acquire uh, Matt Chapman and Sean Manea from Oakland? Would yeah, this be I, worthwhile? Yeah, the, possibly. I like the trade package is, um, you're, you're getting three years of players, right? You get two years of Chapman, one year of Manea. Um, I like both players. Uh, Chapman, I mean, he fits into the conversation we just had. Right-handed. Like Chapman, Chapman upgrades right-handed. your team, but he's another right-handed, right-handed. bat. Um, <laughs> he's also had kind of a weird decline offensively. Like the power is still there, but uh, it, like his strikeouts have just shot through the roof the last two years. And I, I know he had, um, I think he had hip surgery or something like that um, somewhat recently within the last two seasons. So He's not maybe the player we thought he was in 2019, right? At that time, he's like, you know, top 10 position player in baseball. And he's not that anymore. So, um, and, and then for for one year of a starter, I'm actually not that big on giving up a lot for a walk year starter. The Blue Jays have four very good pitchers under contract for at least two more years. Um, it absolutely makes sense to fill that fifth slot with a short-term option. Um, but I... I would expect that to come from free agency. I just don't think they want to be giving up more of that farm system that we just talked about is a little bit more thinned out than it used to be on single year pitchers. Um, Same thing with the bullpen. Like I think they'll address the bullpen at, I I think they're pretty okay with the bullpen now and they'll look to obviously make additions in middle of season, see who's good, who's not in their own pen and then upgrade from there. Um, But yeah, I like, I I would be, I, I would expect the Steven Matz type, deal for a fifth like last year right that type of guy uh to come in to be the fifth starter which bumps um stripling and pearson down one slot um and that gives you a bit of that cushion right hyunjin ryu mostly healthy last year despite some of the struggles he had but you know a history of you know battling some injury stuff so um yeah they've got four guys but you know one or two of them could get hurt right so you do need that depth and uh, I think they're going to bring in somebody for the fifth starter. But I, yeah, I just don't think it's going to be a high-end guy like Manea. Um, as much as I'd love to see him on the team, he's, he's a great pitcher. So before I jump into the next questions, there was actually Caitlin McGrath at a post in The Athletic in which uh, there was a trade proposal from an Oakland Athletics writer for these two players, Chapman and Manea. And the, the package that the Athletics writers asked for back involved Jordan Groshans, Kevin Smith, Otto Lopez, and these depth pitchers, Bowden Francis and Zach Loge. Personally, I think the Jays would be nuts if they turned that down. Yeah, they, I think they, that's they the would, type of type of move you make. I don't think that would be available to them. No. Um unless yeah, unless uh, Oakland is really valuable. I mean we've we've seen we've seen we've seen Oakland do do this before, right? When Sean Nolan, F. Kendall Graveman, Brett Lowry and uh, Frank Barreto. So one of one of the in the weeds factor of like baseball front offices that I don't think that was part of a consideration in that proposal is all five of those guys are on the Blue Jays 40 man roster. So that would be great for the Jays if they were taking their depth guys and just and uh, maybe guys who they don't see as being like Otto Lopez, I don't think has a place in the 2022 Blue Jays. Um, Logue and Francis are the probably eighth and ninth starters on the Blue Jays. So you can fill those roles with other depth guys. You can go get, uh, um, you know, sign a veteran to a, you know, minor league free agent contract and have him pitch in Buffalo. 
Um, clearing five roster spots on the 40 man roster would be helpful to the Jays, right? Does a team like Oakland, who's going to be doing other trades and trading other guys away, do they have five spots to give a 40 man time to, uh, you know, compared to the two that they would be giving away. Right. So, um, yeah, I, like, I don't know if that trade fits, uh, Oakland and it, it obviously felt light. I mean, sure. Yeah. Like I, I just said, I don't think that type of trade happens for X, Y, and Z reason. But if that's the ask, sure. Yeah. Jay's Jay's will jump on that. Um, Groshan's again, just more in-depth prospect analysis. He's a little bit concerning. Like his exit velos were not good. And those things matter to prospect evaluators. And it's also why I'm not sure he's as valuable as maybe a top 50 prospect. Some websites have him as um, in the eyes of uh, other teams. Uh, but yeah, I, sure. Make a trade like that all day long. So these, kind, these two questions I'm going to merge together. One comes from Jerry and he's asking his name. Pearson going to be starting this year. And one comes from Big Jays who says, should the Jays just bite the bullet and have Hyunjin Ryu start every sixth day? These, these kind of match together today. Yeah, I, I like the idea of getting Hyunjin Ryu break days or you know an extra day off between starts or skipping him occasionally. Um, that's kind of the best case scenario for the Jays, right? They add a fifth starter, again, like a Mats type, but somebody who is just worthy of a rotation spot. And they've got five guys they like. Well you know, when you're playing a span of 13 games in a row or something like that with no days off, then you bring in Stripling and give him, uh, or, or call up Pearson and give Pearson like a four or five inning start. And, uh, you know, if it's a three or four inning start, have Stripling piggyback him and, and essentially give the rotation a rest. So in an ideal world, the rotation is healthy and they can accommodate that. I don't think they'd ever go to a six man rotation, which I don't think would be a good idea anyways. Um, you don't want to go longer in between Manoa and Barrios and Gossman starts. So, you know, were you always starting on six days rest? Doesn't really work or every sixth day. Um, but yeah, they should absolutely find pockets in the schedule to give him either, a, you know, a, an extra break day or completely skip them all together. And that's kind of the best case scenario for the Jays, right? If they're in position where everyone's healthy and they can just do that, like then, then we're thrilled. But if the rotation has two injuries in it, then Ryu can't do that. Like it's just not really much of an option, right? So the season and health will dictate how you can do that, but I'm sure the Jays care about it and want to make it happen where they can. All right. Next up, we have Eric T and we're going back to hall of fame talk here. If, and Eric asks, if you could add one former blue Jay to the hall of fame, who out of Fred McGriff, Dave Steeb, Carlos Delgado, and Tony Fernandez, would you pick? Carlos Delgado off the top of my head. Um, he's obviously the most recent player of that group. Um, and it was a shame. He fell off the ballot in year one, correct? Mm -hmm. Like he didn't yep, get he enough did. votes. Um, man, he had an underrated career. He had a very comparable offensive career to David Ortiz. Yep. Um, it was in more of an offensive era. So his like, you know, adjusted. And also who he played for, right? Like different. Yeah. He was, he was hidden on some bad teams. Yeah. So uh, like I, I was, I was surprised, disappointed to see him fall off like that, but like his, his top season, 7.4 F4 as a first baseman, like yeah, that's better than, that's better than the season Vladdy just had. Like the peak Delgado was amazing. Um, and I apologize to say Eric asked that question. Eric did. Yes, correct. Yeah. So I am 31 years old. Um, some of these other players uh, like Steve, I, Steve, I have no recollection of watching him pitch. And That's as much as I love baseball, I'm not a big historian guy. So I don't spend too much time going back and looking at the greats of the blue Jays, despite my you know love for the team and the franchise. Um, I kind of have the era when I started watching that I care about through now. And everything before that, I'm happy it happened. I'm happy, you know, fans have connections to X, Y, and Z player. Um, but I just, I, I don't have that. I don't feel like I, you know, I have this time machine that makes me care about early 80s Blue Jays kind of thing, right? So, yeah, um, yeah I, I'm sure there's a case like I, Dave Steve. Yeah, th there's absolutely a case for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and just my lack of personal connection to him is probably why my answer is Carlos Delgado. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. I mean, I started watching the first season. I can remember it was 2003. Delgado was very good. He was one of two reasons to tune in him and Roy Holiday. So those are two guys that I care about from this time. But if I could pick any one going beyond the list, it's obviously Bautista. If there was a way to get him in, it's not going to happen. I think he's in the ballot next year, maybe the year after. I have no idea. 
yeah, I can't remember when, when, when he finished playing. I feel like he was playing until like 2018 or 19. But anyways, that's I'm, not going to happen. So Bautista's peak, uh, let's say like top four years um, as a Blue Jay were, you know, uh, best in franchise history, I believe. And if not very high up there. And uh, as far as any Blue Jays who are in the Hall of Fame or in the Hall of Fame discussion, um, I don't think anybody has a peak that Bautista did. So uh, at least wearing Blue Jays jersey, right? So um, yeah, I mean, I would, I'd be passionate about that. Again, I just, I know it's not going to happen. So I'm not going to let myself get worked up over it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, my answers would skew more recent. It's going to be sad when he does come around, if he does get one and done, which is pretty likely. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be disappointing, but it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be hard to see. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be expecting it, I guess. Oh, we'll brace ourselves. Yeah, we'll yes. cross that bridge when we get there. We have one final question from uh, Gideon Turk, a uh, name you may or may not recognize. Wins and flosses on Twitter. Uh, he asks if you brush your teeth. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. I have done that before. <laughs> You're correct. Uh, to be clear, Gideon is a dentist or at least a dentist to be. Therefore, this is why he's asking this question. Um, no, there has not been a discussion around me specifically and whether or not I brush my teeth. But, uh, but yes, I, I, I brush, uh, I went to an electric toothbrush based on his recommendation. So, uh, he has an active uh, part in my oral hygiene health. Uh, so thanks for that. Um, I don't know if we can get a better grade in a paper or something with one of his professors <laughs> because he's, he's spreading the, uh, oral care, uh, gospel to everyone here. But, uh, uh, yeah, taking care, taking care of the choppers. On the uh, opposite end of that, and I know Gideon will probably hate hearing this is, um, so I never floss my teeth ever. And I've gone to the dentist the last like two or three times I've gone. They, they asked me, they're like, do you floss your teeth? And I just straight up say, no, I don't lie. I'm not going to lie. And they're like, <laughs> oh, it seems like you do. Oh, well, you're and a great you're brusher. Then. Right. And yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, man. absolutely. That's fantastic. <laughs> so basically. We'll have to I'm ask doing. him what that means then. Okay. So what, what's our takeaway? What's our takeaway? Yes. <laughs> if the perception of a dental hygienist is that you must floss. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a very, very good question. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what, that's kind of what I'd like to know is, um, does this mean that I never have to floss my teeth again, no matter what? So we've buried this at the end. So now we get to find out if he actually listens to us and listens all the way through because we get to see now if he brings us up. Um, but yes, I have questions. Gideon answer, answer that question for us, please. Yeah. We have to let him know that at like minute 40, something of the podcast, we've asked him a question. (laughs) <laughs> well, we give, him two, we give him two days to listen first. Again, we need, we're not just going to let him know he's talked about because then he's going to listen just for that reason. We need to, we, we, need we can't, to, we can't say, we can't say, we this can't say anything. Mistake. We can't, yeah, can't give any spoilers. Couple days. So, all right. So those are all the questions I have. Is there anything you want to add? Anything you want to ask me? Uh, well, to, to the uh, listeners uh, that we're, we're talking about dental hygiene and dentists on Twitter because of the lockout. So yeah, let's get this thing wrapped up. Let's get pitchers and catchers reporting. Let's talk about the fun of baseball again. Let's uh, sign Carlos Correa, a right-handed bat, of course. Um, Another is just do it all. Just fully commit to the bit of forever being right-handed forever and ever. Um, Although uh, there's another right-handed power bat. Sorry. uh, We just got word of today. uh, What? Emmanuel Bonilla. That's right. Was he like 15, 16, 65, yeah, so 300 pounds? I'm going to throw guy. the asterisk on this conversation that it's kind of gross to be talking about 15 year olds um, yeah, kind of and, and the Blue Jays signing them. And uh, it's against the rules, you know, the quote unquote, the rules. Um, every team comes to agreement with players 13, 14, 15 years old um, before they're allowed to sign at 16. It's how international free agency works. Uh, it's also not how it's supposed to work. Uh, it's just baseball turns a blind eye to it, much like the steroids they did in the first part of our conversation Uh today. Um, they just let it happen. Um, and it wouldn't be as gross if these players were represented by agents and the type of people who have their best interest at heart, but they don't, there's uh, there's a lot of, uh, human trafficking elements to, um, these teenagers in, the Dominican uh, kids and families who are taking advantage of or committing 20% of future earnings to these, um, you know, these, these, you know, quote unquote agents or representatives, but they're not actually, uh, you know, uh, actual agents. And they're just looking to get their bag and, and make some money off of, uh, off of, uh, you know, a family living in poverty. So 
it's a weird thing to talk about. Um, but I mean, you know, it's great that these guys, you know, these elite players do get paid and, and hopefully that creates a big difference for their family. But uh, yeah, so we got a report today that there was a massive 15 year old. What, what, what is he can like six, three? I think, yeah, I, I, I exaggerated like the first time he was, he's, he's six foot three, like over 200 pounds. Yeah. As like turning 16 in the next couple months. So born in like 2007, yeah, a massive kid. So we'll see what that becomes. But you know, apparently based on some evaluators here, he's one of the top four players in the class next year. And the blue Jays are, you know, in one of those verbal agreements with him um, in the ballpark of $4 million. So yeah, another, another fun prospect. And I believe he's a right-handed slugger as well. So, uh, <laughs> you know, what yeah, that if, yeah, if, if there's a free agent you like, uh, and they're left-handed, just know that they yep. have no place on the, Don't the fuck off. It's not ever. Ever. If you're left-handed, uh, no, it'll span multiple generations. The right, the blue Jays thing is can't Canadian hockey players are left-handed Canadian baseball players. Well, blue Jay baseball players are right-handed. That's just tried and true rule. That was a great place to finish off. Brendan, thank you as always for coming on. It was a pleasure to see you and hear your voice and talk baseball with you. Let's end the lockout, please. Please. <laughs> soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.